episode 10. We have two special guests. But first, I'm gonna let the beat play out. Like all I say, I made it. It's pretty dope, I know. Bobby hit a little bit. Freestyle if you want to. Instagram at d.slate underscore one. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your content from. Come check out your boy. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Today we have not one, but two special guests on the Darian Slater podcast. I got my homie Bishop. Bishop, what's good? What's good with you, man? Thank you for having me on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Just trying to maneuver through everything that's going on with... 2020 is crazy. Right. 2020 is crazy. And then we also have one of the homies. His name is Marcus. How you doing, Marcus? How's it going, man? You know, I'm trying to be like you. (laughs) I'm trying to be like you, black man. Fucking hungry. <laughs> now nah, we not starving out here. You know, 2020 hasn't been that bad. How, it's been a while since I seen you, man. How, how how's everything going? You good? Yeah, it's been cool. You know, just working remotely like everybody else, trying to stay safe, stay quarantined. You know, not be out here in the streets. At least you're remote. That's very right. true. That's up until next week, though. I actually got to set up my new office. Really? Tuesday. You yeah. going back in? Well, right. so I mean, there's just people that just want to be in the office. So like, you know, with IT and shit, makes sense. Yeah. The office, you gotta. Which is perfect for today's, you know, uh, one of today's most prominent topics on our podcast today is going to be, um, you know, black people working within the IT field. And fortunately for today, I have two individuals who are black men and they both work in IT. So before we kind of jump into that, I want to have a conversation with Bishop and feel free to chime in whenever you want to, Marcus. So Bishop, you're originally from the DMV area. I spent most of my life, I'm originally from Miami, mm-hmm. I moved up here mid-2003. Mid-2003. From, from that time period up until I graduated high school. Okay, so after you left high school, where did you go afterwards? You went to college. Where did you, where'd you go to college? The best school, the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. We both are proud. Warhawk members. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're very we're proud Warhawks. So you left, and then when did you return to the DMV? Um, I returned back as far as my official return was August second, twenty eighteen. So, how many years? How many years were you gone? Um, seven years. And the level of change within that seven years that took place—how was that uh, for you firsthand? Moving back was for I guess, especially in DC, it was a drastic change mm-hmm. um, because, like I said. Prior to graduating high school, we pretty much was in DC every weekend partying, mm-hmm. whatever and so forth. Um, so predominantly, was, DC was known as Chocolate City, mm-hmm. where you walk all of DC, you barely come across five people in a weekend, mm-hmm. as far as white people, mm-hmm. right? Now, moving back in 2018, it was like a whole cultural change for mm-hmm. the most part. Where I moved back, driving to DC, I'm like, damn. It's like the ratio of whites and black is like three to one. It's it like, changed drastically. What's going on over here? Like, this is not where I left. But this is Chocolate City. 
Say more. Say more. <laughs> Wait, so when was it that you um, uh, moved? August 2018. So, oh, no, I mean, uh, when you when you move away? Oh, August 2011. Oh, okay, so shoot, that was... So, seven, seven yeah. I, I was here for that entire period. That entire period, <laughs> and... You uh, the transition. Yeah, no, I got to see it. It was, it was wild, though. Like, I mean, because even when I first got here, man, like, I mean, we used to, like, go with our cameras and stuff mm-hmm. like, over to, like, Georgia Ave, and, like, that wasn't even... It, it, gentrification haven't even touched that yet. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... It was like well, what DC was, you know, back then. It was, it was everything. Like every time, I feel like, like when I first got here, and when I first moved, you know, certain obviously like neighborhoods, like the value may be uh, depressed, and you know when you are like pretty much in the hood, you have a pretty good idea when you're in the hood. Oh, you know it. <laughs> but when I got here, I had no clue where I was yeah. because you know neighborhoods that are. Somewhat, you know, from the outside looking in, they look a little like run down, a little underfunded. You, you know, border the buildings on the next corner. You you feel that okay, all right. I feel like I'm probably, I'm probably more than likely in the hood. Right. But when I was in D.C. and I saw that same that same situation, and I see this white woman walking her dog, and then right down the streets of Orange Three Fitness and like some like green tea smoothie shop, I'm like, where the hell am I? And um. I think it was somewhere in Columbia Heights where that happened. And it's like walking around, I'm like, wait a second, I have no clue yeah. what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, that's the gentrification of DC. It's, and it's real. I mean, even yeah. that, look at it now, where Southeast DC now is the next hotbed that's mm-hmm. going to be gentrified. Because looking, speaking with Cam, um, he actually mentioned to me that DC is actually planning on bringing in 300,000 bodies in the next 10 years. Wow. They're currently building a train system that connects Southeast to Alexandria. Wow. Mm. So, literally within the next 10 years, you're going to see Southeast DC essentially get all the blacks in Southeast not get. They're going to price them out and push them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Think about it. Look at the cost of living in DC as it is right it's now. It's insane. And now, think when we add 300,000 buys within the next it's 10 years. It's going to go up. It's going to continue to increase. Because there's no space for, any, for people to really live right now. So, yeah. there's no big deal. So, where did he say that that train station was going to be built? Um, I actually got the exact geographic location. Yeah. But he just, it was an article that, that mentioned. He showed uh, it to it, me. It was an article that mentioned how the, uh, the D.C. government essentially approved uh, the, the bill for the train station yeah. start getting built. I'm like, dang. You show that's, 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 that's how to start. It's start with that process. Yeah. You got to be able to move in and out of the area. Transportation. Uh, trans- be able to move in and out. Okay. Yo. We see the value of the area. Now let's go. Let's see, you know. Oh, we could investor come in. Oh, just, just go ahead and throw a Whole Foods in there. Exactly. What do you mean? You throw yeah. a bunch of money in there. I mean, it's one of those things. Exactly. Where the right. It's so people with the money. Exactly. That's what it is. At the end of the day, the people who can afford to live there. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because. The DMV area has so much history and culture, yeah. but it's a transplant city, obviously, but and at the end of the day, economics rule everything. So when you're going to come in, you're going to recognize, you're going to realize that, you know, this place that has so much value, it's kind of like twofold. Yeah, the, the uh, environment is underfunded, but also it's devalued by the people who live in the community, and you don't have, like, a lot of pride in your neighborhood until it's gone. Yeah. It's like that same situation I think we talked about with, like, Oakland, how people are going in in Oakland, they're kind of like gentrifying, you know, that area and that environment, which is pretty much at um, already 
happened, but for you to see it firsthand, I just want to like kind of get your take and your experience on that. It's real, man. It's definitely real. And yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you can look back even a year ago mm-hmm. when was having a huge protest in D.C. all over Gogo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, that same uh, that same store, that Blue Swim store on that corner, literally been there since before I was even born. Yeah. yeah. And they've literally been playing Gogo every single day. Like, even back when I was hours. walking. Wow. Like, and then, back in like 2010. Like I said, every single day, Monday through... It's what they're known for. Monday through it's a Monday, staple. From 7 a.m. <clears throat> yeah. 5 p.m. Gogo, you you know to hear Gogo walking out by a Boots Mobile store. Fast forward last year, due to gentrification, now that, that section is predominantly white. Yeah. And business running as usual. Mm-hmm. He's, that's what he's accustomed to, and that's what the neighborhood's accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Playing Gogo. White people feel, oh, you're you're disrupting our peace. It's business hours. It's yeah. loud noise already mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you live in a city. It's not like he's very blasted the music where to the point. It's a perfect example. You can't hear even the, the cars moving. Yeah. It's like people who don't understand the culture so, come in because it's convenient and they are entitled because they can afford to live there, yep. which you is to change the demographic. Exactly. The change the demographic, change the culture, and change the entire. Um, Landscape, yeah, that's exactly what's going on, and that's uh, it's it's a, it's unfortunate, it's a shame, you know, it's crazy because they actually tried to do the same thing in Silver Spring, uh, downtown Silver Spring, where uh, because we all, I mean, if you grew up here, you know, downtown Silver Spring, it's like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. especially if you go back like even further than that, yeah. that was a predominantly black and Latino neighborhood, you know Facts. what I mean, but mainly black. And it was um, it was crazy because there was a club that, that was there called Society, okay. and, and it's still there. And Society is a really loud club. Like I used to live right across, basically from Society over in the Solar. And like, yeah, every Friday, Saturday, it, it's bumping. Like you can literally, when I walk out to go do whatever I'm doing at 10 p.m. on a Friday, you like, hear it. It's bumping. Like literally, you feel the vibrations yeah, in your body. And so like now that neighborhood, they got condominiums coming up, apartments coming up. And somebody tried to sue them for being too loud. Wow. Like, and I'm like, this place has been here longer probably than you've been. Like, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, like, please just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like one of those things where you can come in and you can afford to pay $2,000, $2,500 to live there. So you're going to automatically feel entitled. Ent- exactly. And, yeah. you know, like, well, I can afford to live here. That's why you price everybody out. You know, at that point in time, it comes back down to economics. And financial acuity is going to always win over culture. Yeah. Um, no matter how persistent, you know, people within the community may be. If you can't afford to live there, they're going to price you out, you know, one way um, or another. So, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, people of color become more attuned to this and they invest and they, you know, value their community a lot more because sometimes as black folks we don't we really don't yeah. we don't I mean, value where we live or just do what you see everyone else doing man start investing in property yep and that's my <laughs> biggest push for everybody yeah. that I talk to now I'm Seriously. always harping on start looking at investment properties I don't care yeah. if it's just a, a single family home it don't need to be a half a million dollars home it could be a quarter million dollars get in the game no that's one of those things well, let's get that equity and flip the equity and use leverage that equity and gain more properties yeah. And get I, your real estate portfolio. I get all of that, but also when you don't have the education 
True. Or you don't have the social capital to kind of pursue uh, what, you know, the avenue of renting or, or investing yeah. um, into a home. It's like almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you are struggling to live day by day, that's the last thing. Like, exactly, you know, and honestly, like that's not really like if I had a friend and homie was like you know on food stamps and like you know just going through the whole the whole system basically, I, I wouldn't be talking to him about investment properties. You trying to? I, I mean, like when, once you like you know trying that, to survive. like yeah, like if you got you know just some extra side income <clears> or something like that, you know you comfortable that kind of stuff. That's when I start being like, all right, man, maybe you shouldn't be out here getting like tables every week. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, that, that, that comes by down to priorities, but exactly. we 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 getting off task with that one. That's a whole other conversation right, right, right. in itself. Yeah. Um, on that now, one important prominent aspect, especially with COVID nineteen, is obviously that you have to work remotely or or work from home. And um, you two are both within the IT field, which is pretty much extremely conducive you know, to that aspect. Now, there are not a lot of black men or like black people in general work within IT. So can you both kind of like give a background in terms of like what picked your interest and how you both, you know, pursued um, that career path and what are your trajectories and your long-term goals and how afterwards you can get other folks involved in it? Sure, sure I guess I'll start off first. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I guess my IT, my path to IT is a bit very, it's unique um, where no IT experience whatsoever. I think my first real exposure to IT was watching one of my friends back in 2016, where he was a program to self-taught programmer. He was teaching himself programming. So he, t- he was like, hey, yeah, go to Code Academy. So I started learning programming. So that's something I actually started practicing coding, but then faded away. Mm-hmm. Left it at that. It happens. About a year and a half later, it's like, oh man, IT, IT circling around again. So literally, right when I made the decision to move back, that's when I, was, I actually got serious about making that transition to IT because part I pretty much work in management. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back, I was like, okay, cool. I definitely got to make this move. Now I'm here now. I don't even have a job. Mm-hmm. So this is the perfect opportunity to try to make that transition. So what I did was like, cool. So I talked to everybody who I know was in IT at the time. A good friend of mine from high school, my boy Brady, he said, like, yeah, dude, go get you a cert. That's that's where you that would be the first thing you want to do to try to get your foot in the door. Talk to a few people also mention the same thing. The certification, right? Yeah. Which which is the base? So what is the baseline certification for people who may not know that? It varies. I'd say it's like constantly moving. To mm-hmm. Literally, some people will tell you A plus. For me, I just have right to security plus, yeah. but I actually started with network plus because ultimately my goal is to get cyber security. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, let's find the quickest path there, and what's the the search that I need that's a staple that would get me in the door for cybersecurity. So, like, you need security plus the first one? And that's, that's the path I took. How much did that certification cost? Um, well, the cost to take the exam okay. was three fifty. Okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, I bought the materials for myself, so I just ordered the book online off of Amazon. That was about $30. And then I also ordered a course for you, Demi, that was about another $10, 11 so all in all, essentially, I paid less than four hundred dollars. Okay. Um, but again, I, that's because I took the initiative to teach myself that. Mm-hmm. Now you could go in like a IT school settings where or different learning environments that teaches IT. Mm-hmm. Those range from anywhere from thousands and up. If you go in that route, 
So at the time, like I said, I didn't have a job. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't. You're not trying to spend much money. Get a $4,000. Exactly. Like, yeah, Because yeah. everything will be a swipe on the credit card. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I'm not teaching teach myself this. So very, when I moved back, I think it was August 15th, is when I started studying the Network Plus. Uh, finished that, but I never took the exam in the high price to start studying super plus material. Studied there for approximately uh, two and a half months, mm-hmm. and then took the exam. Two, studied for two and a half months, and then got away from it for a bit because of work. Then workflow changed, and then um, got back studying again July of 2019, actually. Yeah, July Last summer. 19. Started studying, uh, refreshing my memory again, and then last August of 2019, so I actually took the exam past that. Fast forward two months after that, I got my first IT job, mm-hmm. my first real IT job. That's a uh, system admin. Mm-hmm. Did that for, a pro- for about a year. Uh, COVID happened, all the protests happened in DC. Mm-hmm. Actually, lost my biggest client. Mm-hmm. So by that, the company had to minimize its resources. Mm-hmm. So being one of the new guys that you got let go. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had the experience in IT, and that's the beauty about the field. Yeah, I was able to find another job within a month, month and a half. Yeah, as a uh, system, uh, as a system engineer. Okay. So now, I'm work moving from working in the whole system. Now I'm working more so on the networking side of things, mm-hmm. which for the most part has been a fun experience so far. Good. So, good. so, so question with that is: so after taking your certifications and you did everything like self-taught. Did you feel qualified or did you feel like, you know, like once you started working, like did you feel like you knew what you were doing? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, yes in the sense because I knew the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had, had an understanding of the language at least from the state materials. But as far as like me feeling like I was prepared for the role, it was a no because I didn't have that hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of learner I need that physical hands-on mm-hmm. experience. I got you. So... But the beauty, uh, I guess my first gig was just, I was working with, for a small company, so we had a t- our total tech team was eight. So we had a small team that was very hands on, okay. very, okay. very uh, willing to assist you. So that's that kind of I guess helped expedite the learning process for me. Gotcha. All right. What about what about you, Marcus? Oof, well, mine's, I mean, it's kind of similar, but, okay. like, it's just, I guess I've been at it for, like, a little longer, but basically, um, I actually ended up going to school for um, graphic and web design at the Art Institute um, over in Roslyn. It doesn't exist anymore because it's a complete scam. <laughs> it's like but, Trump University? No, I mean, like, you know, along the lines of, like, DeVry-ish, like, it's a little uh, sketch, like, everybody It's, it's a for-profit institution. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody can get in, but, like, getting out, that's a the story gotcha. they're just trying to get money out of you so they gotcha. can, you know but anyways so basically i got you know i was going kind of going through that and i was like all right you know i should go into graphic design but then i was kind of like you know what like i don't really know if something kind of crazy happens with the world mm-hmm. boom <laughs> <laughs> you know i just don't want to be that person that gets let go like that and i like you know don't have a support system to fall into because like my family we're really like we're all over the world like my mom's in korea my dad's here my sister's in like you know new jersey and shit i mean stuff like that like okay. you know i mean like it's just like rest. So basically, I I was working at Samsung at a retail technically marketing position in like a Best Buy. Basically, I was doing IT. 
like people used to come in and be like, I can't connect to my work email. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't work for your company. Like, why, why are you coming to Best Buy to connect to me? Like, what? It's so, like I was doing all this stuff, and like you know, I kept having customers come in. They were like, dude, like I just saw you help, like like you did like five tickets like in a row in less than like forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. They're like, you should definitely like be on in a real IT job without having to deal with some dude coming up and asking you about a fucking Samsung refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly in the mobile department. I <laughs> like, like I'll have people like, hey, yeah. do you know about this TV over here? And I like look at the Samsung sign and I'm like, I look at the tablets and the phones and I'm like, and like, and like bro, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's not a one t- one shot fit all. But um, so basically, yeah, man, I have a few people come in like that, and luckily I had actually a mentor. One of the customers who came in, he was actually a executive over at Microsoft, mm. and he uh, he was like, yo, he's like, I think that like you know you have a really cool personality, and you you seem to have a real interest in tech. He was like, you should here like do this, and you'll you'll get into tech. You know what I mean? So basically, I went ahead and got um, my I never got this cert. I picked up the A plus book and I just read it. I mean, read the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. And basically, cover cover. I was like, <laughs> I, I just like, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't really feel like I have the money to go because A plus is kind of expensive. Like, yeah. it's one of the first certs, but it's like six hundred dollars in total, I think, yeah. something like that, just to get it. And it's really not that valuable. Okay. It's not. So basically, I um I went ahead and uh, I just read the book front the cover and then. I basically on my resume kind of spiced up the Samsung position to make you it sound to. like you have to. I was working as a consultant for Samsung with clients. Got I mean, to. which you know, technically, in a sense, it was. It up some. <laughs> you know what I mean? So basically, then I went into my interview and they were like, "Yo, like, what's your experience?" And I ain't gonna lie, like, I spiced the fuck out of that. Like, I was like, "Oh, I'm doing this. I'm working with this type of topology. Our network, <laughs> blah blah blah." Speak their language. Yeah, and like exactly. literally, my first IT job was a desktop uh, support manager position, oh, and wow. I that literally. It was scary as hell though yeah. when I got in there. You know, I had to literally learn everything on the spot. They didn't have any IT infrastructure at all. And so I ended up keeping that job for about two years. It was pretty cool. Didn't pay as much though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was driving everywhere, so I needed something kind of a little more lucrative. So then I ended up getting a job at GW. Um, kind of the same thing, but a little bit more pay. Plus they paid mileage, which okay. definitely, you know. So yeah, basically after that, I went to an MSP. Now an MSP is a little bit different than what I was dealing with. What's the MSP? So it's a managed service provider. Okay. Basically, you know when you like call IT and you get that guy in India? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, That's an MSP. Got, gotcha. <laughs> so it's just a budget-friendly way to like have your own IT department, but it's a little like... Big. It's like outsourced? I mean, so it can be like... So they charge a premium for MSPs in America. Okay. So that you don't have to deal with like, you know, the language barrier and just, you know... Okay, I see. That makes sense. It's a lot more affordable for the company. Exactly. So basically, I was working there. That's actually probably one of the most hardcore type of IT jobs that you can get. Like, you're... And that's my experience right now. Yeah. Like, you you get like a crazy amount of tickets a day and you have to solve them in a crazy small amount of time. Like, we're talking... I had 30 minutes max at this in my MSP to solve one ticket. And then you had to hop onto the next one immediately. And you had to document everything. How long does the average ticket normally take? That depends on your level, man. Like so there isn't a ticket, honestly. No, no, no. It's we had dudes that literally like could fix the craziest issues in less than thirty minutes. Like these dudes were smart as hell. Mm -hmm. But then we you know, you come in new, you know, you just try and get your feet in the door, like you're literally stumbling the whole time. Honestly, it's like getting into a fight with like Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. and you just constantly get punched in the face, <laughs> like literally. <laughs> it was it was scary way. If, yeah, if you're yeah. Not meant to be strong for that. Yeah, like I can it, tell you my first experience. I remember getting in, like I have no like 
then I had no real hands and experience. Experience, yeah. Yeah, they throw you in the fire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a crazy level of, of like, like one uh, persistence that you needed to have. Oh yeah, you got to have some serious you gotta have your ability. If you got, honestly, IT is just you just gotta be, you have to be fluid like in IT mm-hmm. yeah. because it's all one thing is constantly changing. It's all technology, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you one gotta be willing to constantly keeping up to uh, keeping up to what's going on in, in the field. Yeah, but again, you have to be fluid because you gotta be able to just. Yeah. Go back up for its ways, yeah. Things coming about because you could be working on a ticket right now, and then another client will call you like, "Hey, I have an emergency." Now you have to pause on that ticket, yep. address that emergency, and then go back to that ticket. And mm-hmm. the middle of that ticket, you might get pulled for something else. Yeah, and you have to be super customer friendly yeah. during all this. So you're stressed out. You got like five different things going on, and you have to somehow not show it to the customer whatsoever. And, the, and clients don't care at all. They want their product, or they or they want that issue resolved ASAP. Like it could be something even where you t- on the SA you tell like, hey, look, this is a low priority ticket. No, I'm, like, that's yeah. a high priority for me. I need mm-hmm. that exactly. Like, exactly. Exactly. But we have an SLA in place saying this is a this is a contract. Like this is a low priority based off our scaling. All right, so so, so basically uh, after that type of job, I went into my current role, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just not like that at all. Like I'm, I'm back to being like in house. But the cool part is, and I was really specific about this when I was looking. The cool part about this job is I get experience like I'm in an MSP. Like they just throw me into anything. Okay. Like literally, like when I go set up this office on Tuesday, like I'll be building out the entire office. I had to design this. I had to come up with a proposal for like all the networking equipment, any new equipment that we brought in, like the TVs, the voice over IP phones, the security cameras, and all these I have to configure and set up. So this is an all basically a first for me and so i'm literally building an office from the ground up how's that process like what's the most challenging and what's the most exciting aspect of that process the most exciting aspect is going to be learning something that you didn't know before and being able to say gaining a new skill set like going into an interview and say like i freaking set up it makes you a lot more marketable yeah like they're gonna be like all right this guy this guy you know what he's doing but um the most difficult aspect is probably going to be the fact that like this is an office that people are going to want to use by mm-hmm. a certain time. So, mm-hmm. like, all of you have, like, you know, you, you're going to learn, but, like, you need to learn fast. And that's that pressure IT in general. Yeah. Like, you just, like, so I, I'm, not a, I'm not really, like, a fast learner, at least in the traditional sense. Take your time but you, with but, that one. Yeah. yeah. I have to go over the material a few times. Exactly. Can. And so, like, if you're not, though, like, IT, like, isn't really designed for you. Like, a lot of, a lot of it's really, like, designed for, like, really fast learners. So, it eats you but, up and spit you out. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like they can really fire you for that you know what i mean it's just like it's going to be disappointing to them it's going to be like one of like so if a situation occurs they're going to know who they can't rely on exactly right. but like the thing is luckily like i don't think I, like i'm necessarily an unreliable person so mm-hmm. like once you do learn what it is that you're supposed to learn however long that takes you then it's you very reliable. Cool it's like you'll be gotcha. that person right. but so it's not a lot of room for error but once you um once you master whatever circumstance you have to deal with yeah you uh you, you catch on pretty quickly yeah and me personally, like I'm trying to move more into like man, like operational IT type okay. role because that's a little less stressful and it's a little more conceptual versus technical. Gotcha. And I'm so way more like more the management side thing. Yeah, like so I like I have a lot of mentors at this point. They're all like, yeah, Marcus. They're like, you know what I mean? Like I have an interest in tech, but tech is not what I like necessarily like gotcha. think about all day. You, know? you want to be like, associated with it, but that you don't want to yeah. like leave. I think like, like meetings, eat, and stuff sleep like and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next. So um. Why do you all think that um, that the tech field isn't represented by a lot of uh, black people in general? 
feel like that depends on your definition of black. Um, there's a lot of Africans in that. Well, traditionally African-American. <coughs> you know, I'd still say <laughs> that depends on where you're at. Because, like, honestly, I know a lot of black dudes. It's black dudes in particular. It's really women that are underrepresented in IT in general. But I see a lot of black dudes in IT, like most, in fact, consultants in the government. Um, those are all going to be, like, black dudes. Really? I, have, I, I mean, I, see, I, know, you, yeah. I, see, I know what you're saying, saying though. Yeah. That's what, because if you, when you look IT in general, it's predominantly man. Yeah. About white folks. Yeah, and Asian people. And the Asian folks. Um, where when you look at as far as I guess percentage wise, blacks aren't represented as high yeah. as other um ethnicities. But um there is a lot of black people in IT. I'm actually a part of a uh, minority um minorities in uh IT. Okay. That's a group of over a thousand people all over the US. Right. And I'm talking from people who are literally just getting their first help desk role to people who are running full government operations and they're literally calling shots in the Air Force. So you so have some pretty significant roles, but if you still look at though, a thousand people over the, within a U.S. But that's just a, that's just a small it's a small portion. portion of it. All right. So what are some what are some avenues you think that because I think too like representation matters oh, yeah. like. You, you two may have first-hand experience seeing a lot of black folks working within IT, but the average common person, the like average 5, 10, 12, 13, 14-year-old, unless they know that's something specifically they want to do, yeah. it's not very marketable to them, and they don't have that rec- they, that, that representation in there. I, I, to uh, go off your, what you're saying, I think what it is, the school system also got to start exposing these kids yeah. at an earlier age to, these, to technology. We live in a digital age. Mm-hmm. Everything is running for technology now. It's you, constant, you constantly growing. Say, mm-hmm. no, I'm not, I don't care about technology, but no, everything runs over technology. The big push now is AI. That's very true. Yeah. So I think we, we just uh, you start starting these kids at an early age with, with technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there are programs out here that is literally designed to start kids on coding at the age of 12. And these kids are going to be better at technology than we are now. Exactly. So if we start exposing the kids to programming so at the mm-hmm. age of 12, they could, literally, they could literally start making income as they're a teenager still in high school because they pick up internships. Then that opens a whole new avenue for them as far as opportunities goes. So the lack of exposure and there needs to be an intentional uh, viewpoint and an intentional um, state of action to get these young children involved um, because, like I, like I get what you're saying, especially about women being underrepresented, but I mean, from a grassroots standpoint, a lot of children don't know that, and especially a lot of black children um, within the inner city, or, you know, a lot of times people don't know what they don't know, and yeah. I think sometimes a lot of kids don't grow up, you know, with the understanding, like, hey, I want to be a programmer, you know, I want to, you know, be a systems administrator, whatever y'all roles are in IT, because I have no clue. I just call y'all with my computer trip. And honestly, the titles in IT really don't really a title. Because literally, yeah. as a system admin, literally, I was really doing everything to help this. See, a lot of people don't know that. See, that context is... So, and that, so a lot, I think a lot, even with myself, mm-hmm. when I was applying for a job after I lost my gig, I was looking at titles like, damn. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're looking at the, what the qualifications are. Yeah. It's just like, well, okay, I've been doing this already. So at this point, it's just a damn title. I'm going to throw my application anyway. The worst thing to be telling me is not. Yeah, exactly. So I think what, 
a lot of people get afraid because of the title. Mm -hmm. yeah, really system is. engineer, system exactly. admin, network engineer. You like, <laughs> yo. But, but honestly, like, I mean, it, with that in that same breath, though, you could literally go into an interview and they're gonna be like, all right, like they could throw you some crazy questions, and yeah, it is gonna be like embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> to not know what they're asking you for, but like at the same time, that's just the risk you gotta take. Yeah, you put yourself in that position, and yeah. and I think at the end of the day, at least you learn something. Or, I think, the biggest thing, honestly, going back to your question yeah. about like black people in IT, what I've noticed in every company that I went to, the most like noticeable thing, like as an African American, when you go into these companies and these departments, IT departments, mm -hmm. everybody that's in middle to upper management typically is white or something else that's not black. Like yeah. you, you clearly like. I remember when I was at GW, there was like a, the entire upper management was all white, yeah. except for this one Indian guy, and then even when it came to middle management. We had a like black um, for a moment. We had a black uh, desktop support manager, but like literally, like no one listened to like like when he would be requesting like for people in other departments to do things or doctors or anything like that. They wouldn't listen to him. Really, they were just like yeah, they would just go above like around him completely and go to his manager. And that you see that in IT. Yeah, it's a lot of covert. Yeah. Racism was in the field. Even my last gig, I'm not even gonna mention the company name because mm -hmm. I don't want to. Nah, yeah, of course. Fuck GW. That's what I was gonna Like, literally, at that last, it was, it was also another MSP. Mm -hmm. I was very, it was only about two black people in the whole office back then. It was off to 40 people. See? Right. And I, I noticed some I noticed some things. I, mean, I pick up things very early. Mm -hmm. I'm, very, I, I'm very visual. Like I go into space before I even say anything to somebody. Super observant, yeah. I will literally observe the whole yeah. environment. So when that guy's in space, I'm observing. Cool. Okay. I see our president. He's also now. Okay, but hey, Bill. Our CFO. Certain things he he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, really, dude. Like, you know I'm here, right? And but they don't care. They will literally say it openly in the field. So. You get some black people in, in these uh, in these work environment, and they, they feel super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, I don't want to be in this work environment. I don't want to be in this space. Yeah, I'm I'm not, not this those space. companies are not going to retain them. And even like with all the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on, mm -hmm. I could recall my C, my former CEO, but literally saying, over, especially with COVID. Well, if you look at um the states, I mean the the areas that are that quote unquote have the high impact with COVID. Or like the democratic area, it's interesting trying to play, play the, the race cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like they, which you sound ignorant right now. So it's a lot of folks like that in the environment. People in higher management feel like they know so much mm -hmm. because yeah. their roles, they they feel like they could literally talk to me however they want to. Yeah. Wow, and the fact that both of you all agree with that, so. uh Easily, you sound like you ex both experienced that uh, firsthand yeah. multiple times. I think I remember Kier saying something like that it, yeah, um, yeah. as well too. It's real. I mean, permanent. Even my current my current uh, job right mm -hmm. now, this is a joke would be to me the only other black guy on the team that literally one of other colleague who literally get away with murder. Yeah. Wow! Because literally, you tell it. Prime example: We're typically supposed to work eight thirty to five. Mm -hmm. Now, as a by the current, we don't necessarily have fixed hours. Mm -hmm. So when I get to my class and do what I need to do, that's it. This literally text the group, our group chat in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock. Hey guys, um, my wife needs me to go babysit, so I'm going to go babysit. You still, we're, well, yeah, we're, work. we're still supposed to be at work yeah. until 5 o'clock, technically. Mm -hmm. 
But let me or the other black guys do something like that. You didn't let her from HR? <laughs> yeah. You want to have that so conversation that's, that's in the office? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. could get away with murder. Yeah. And you, you experience it in the field, though. Like, I mean, luckily in my new role, I don't have that because, like, in my old role, mm-hmm. like, it definitely, like, that was the daily. Like, we had, um, I'll never forget, we had this one guy that, uh, he was, I mean, most of the desktop support team was black, mm-hmm. um, especially, like, in the, I mean, sadly to say, but, like, the, the like, entry-level roles, like, they were mostly more black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, it was funny to see the things that they chose to focus on sometimes. Like, I remember, um, so there's this one guy, like, I mean, granted, he, I feel like he kind of did this on purpose, just as kind of like a middle finger to them a little bit. But like, he literally would come in basically just dressed like, I mean, he, he's IT, you don't really have to dress in any yeah. type of way. We're going under desk and all sorts of stuff like that. So he's wearing jeans, like some J's, like, you know what I mean? Have his headphones in, just, he does the work though. You know what I mean? Like literally, I can't say that he didn't do the work. Mm-hmm. The point. He'd been there the longest, he knew almost as much as like the system, like administrators, you know what I mean? And so he would be going around, but the thing is, the doctors, like, he made them uncomfortable because I think he looked a little too, like, quote-unquote, like, urban for mm-hmm. them. So they would always have something to say about him, like, you know what I mean? I remember one doctor just straight up said he hated him, and he really didn't have a reason to hate him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, it was just, like, the, like, so they started making up these rules about, like, the dress code mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, and you could just tell they were literally talking about him. exactly. For some, like, well, most of us just didn't dress like that, for one. And he was the only person that did. And it was just, like, crazy watching him being targeted like that. And, like, I mean, he was really, like, resentful because mm-hmm. of that. And it, it just doesn't cultivate any sort of good team environment or yeah. work environment for anyone. And I just, like, I was, I understood just off of that, like, seeing that alone. I was like, I know why this organization is the way it is. Well, it is yeah. the problem that it has. Because, like, if you really think that you should be focusing on that, mm-hmm. like, out of all the thousands of issues that this company has... It's yeah. uh, it's like almost no matter what industry you're a part of, it's all going to be something. It's like, yeah. Yep. yeah, no matter what industry, it's a black person. Yeah, because yeah. that's the system. We yeah. don't have a system in place for us. Nah. You're 100% right. A lot of systemic racism. Um, but, well, so if, if there's one thing that you both would encourage, you know, young black children who are interested in IT what what would that be like for them to get involved or to get started kind of sometimes they have like different i know even here you know my institution they have like coding camps mm-hmm. but it's like 50 60 like kids and there's like one or two black children every time um so so what, what are some tangible things or some tangible action items you think would be really beneficial to expose some of these children um i mean like you said some of the programs mm-hmm. but um if i see some of these things gonna cost money it would and we know, especially from our communities, mm-hmm. it's not practical. We don't have funds like that mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But that's obviously from a blanket standpoint. But there are a bunch of free resources out there that could be leveraged, like Code Academy. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, programming site that teaches you programming language. Doesn't like through different yeah. things, and you have to put that with the instructions to tell you. you doesn't like doesn't like general. Is it like General Assembly? Don't they have like? Something with coding? But yeah, that is okay, cool. okay. You have that resource. You got resources like Linux Academy. Okay. I guess there's been, it's actually just Linux Academy and AWS actually just merged so that Linux Academy, the title has been changed now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I so, know that. so you have that resource, but that resource, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a monthly subscription of 45, 
Yeah, $45. So it's still almost like you're paying the class. Right. Uh-huh. But, yeah. see, I would rather pay that $45 a month and I could learn as much as I want to. Mm-hmm. You have unlimited access to it to it's a fair. lot of different yeah, programming fair. language and different, uh, yeah, programming language that you could learn. And you can do it at, at your own pace. So it's like you yeah. don't really have to do the whole school thing, which is really, that's what I love about IT, right. honestly. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, though, too, because like I'll put it off. Like, I'll be like, oh, I just get I that sort of next year. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's five years later, and I'm like, oh, shit. And that's <laughs> where I'm at, because I was, actually had a pen up in time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a pen up three of uh, my AWS cloud protection, sorry, done before by May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not pretty much in September. I don't even want to talk about myself, <laughs> So, but it's, a, it's a lot of resources out there, okay. but reach out to people that you know in the, in the field as well, because they can also help give you guidance mm-hmm. and different mentors, different mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. Yeah. resources that with, from their department that they could leverage. Okay. Provide. Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing too. When you start getting certs, if you start telling your managers and stuff that you're doing this, and like, like you show them, like they'll legit be like, they'll they'll. There's a lot of stuff that you need, like manager kind of sign offs on, mm-hmm. like your CISSP, things like that. Yeah, like your CIS, your um, CISA. Yeah. The, 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 the higher search. The acronyms are like, okay. They'll literally. <laughs> so like, those are the more, they define as more professional. Gotcha, okay. You have to have a gotcha. certain number of experience. Yeah. Get those Was it like only like 6,000 CISP in the world or something like that? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Gotcha. All right. Anything you want to add on, Marcus, or, or do you? Pretty much agree with that. As far as like, yeah, like it's really just about like exposure. Like, uh, I remember I ended up getting into like finding out what I liked in general, okay. like, just from uh, buying my own laptop. So like, my like parents are really big on like, um, like you know, yeah, yeah. If you like do good in school, we'll get you this, we'll get you that. But I didn't do good in school because mm-hmm. I had like I, I just didn't like, bro. I hate sitting down and watching someone lecture it's not conducive it's not it's not it's not conducive to your learning yeah Mm -hmm. i don't learn and so like you know my parents you know they're they're in the military they got they're tied up with other stuff they don't have time to think about like why is marcus not learning so they're just focusing on like oh this you know he just doesn't pay attention like Mm -hmm. blah 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 blah. anyway so like i i never got that laptop so i literally had to like find other ways to get money to get that laptop gotcha it's literally anything (laughs) (laughs) so like i i got it though you know that's like, luckily, I took those steps, and I realized, like, oh, I'm into this. Like, I like this. Like, you know what I'm saying? So then, um, that being the first step, yeah, like, you know, you can get on the things like Linux Academy. Like, gotcha. It's, uh, laptops, computers are like a gateway to information. If you don't got that gateway first, then, yeah, you You're can't even stuck. begin to, <laughs> like... That makes sense. Yeah, definitely start a computer. I mean, it don't have to be a brand new yeah, machine. Nah. It could be a used machine. That's actually, I actually prefer somebody to look at a used machine because... Then at that point, something goes wrong to actually open it up, do the minor repairs. Break it down, fix yep. it. And then you get more hands and experience that mm-hmm. way too. Gotcha. Yep. But it also sounds like you also need a level of persistence and ambition. Oh, yeah. you, you definitely. Yeah. If you don't have any type, you don't have uh, persistency in this field. Mm-hmm. You know what really helped me? Like, when I was in California, like, I used to, because, like, Vacaville is very, like, divided as far as, like, rich people and poor yeah. people. And, but we go to school with both. So you'd see these kids drive up in these cars, like, these super nice cars. It's like, brand new BMW. Like, not even, like, I, I used to see, like, custom cars for, like, like but these were teenagers. Yeah. They had, like, this completely custom old school, like, Cadillacs, Impalas. Wow. Like, it was just wild. And I was like, and you could tell, like, their parents paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, like, man, like, Y'all just wait, bro. It's like motivation. It's like motivation. Yeah, you know it motivated you. Even I got when you. I lived in like Courthouse, Virginia when I was going to college, like it was like, you know, seeing all these people around you with all these nice things and like, you know. It should motivate you. Yeah. Like that's really what it, it should works. definitely motivate you. It should inspire you to want more for yourself. Definitely. I mean, 
prime example, one of my first, this one of my biggest inspiration right in the field, my boy Bright. Mm-hmm. He makes well over, mm-hmm. he makes six figures, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's like, damn, okay, so he could do it. So, again, yeah, he like, 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 exactly. he went to high school. Like, even seeing like, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, like some of like, you know, the people that I like knew, you know, like, don't want to use this guy as an example. But like Cam, like you know what I mean? Like seeing him go, I, I literally watched that dude go from making what I like made mm-hmm. back, you know, a few years ago. To and change. I don't even know how much. But it's like, <laughs> you see the progression. <laughs> but yeah, you see that, you see somebody like that literally started from where you started from, do the exact, the, like, the ambition. It, you mm-hmm. know, like, so it's like, all right, it's not impossible. You just gotta have like a wild amount of drive. Yeah, you commitment and work ethic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you gotta have a strong why. If you don't have that strong why, Eventually, it's gonna fade. You could yeah. have the excitement, yep. but the excitement only lasts for so long. That's your own wise. Keeps it keeps you through. It keeps you going. It's the foundation of what you're doing. What you're doing. Yep. All right. Well, I, I appreciate both of you all. You know, providing that level of uh, expertise. It's funny when y'all said that. You know, you IT folks be going back and forth from job to job. Man, y'all do be job hopping like not not in a bad way, but I've never seen somebody go from a job, get a job like the next day. <laughs> I moved to this city. Oh, I'm coming back four months later on. I'm like, bro. Like, <laughs> Yo, you got to get it however you can. No, I respect no, no, I mean, I respect the grind, but also IT is one of those fields from a cultural standpoint. That's understood. Like, that is understood. Like, in a lot of other industries, I mean, I know it's different for, like, millennials and folks our age, you know, going from a different job. You know, you're not going to stay at a place where you're not valued. And that whole commitment to one industry or to one company is, you know, that's obsolete. Bro, that's Mm -hmm. really what it is a lot of the time, too. Because, like, I hate, like, going to a new IT job is so scary. Mm -hmm. You you have no idea that aspect of it. But you have no idea what you're jumping into. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, you could be, like, when I went to that MSP, it was beautiful on the inside. You walk in there, like, they got the whole Google look. They were curious. Little techie people in their little button ups, getting their little matcha lattes, and little stand up desk. Like, hey there, buddy, how's it going? I'm just going over here to pet the new dogs. Like, you know what I mean? You're seeing all this. You're like, they paint oh, the pictures. Yeah, they paint the picture. And then you get in there, you sweating bullets and stressed out. Your relationships on the freaking fringe. Like, oh, <laughs> like, yo, this is crazy. So like, you really gotta watch mm-hmm. out. And like, that's what makes people hop around because. The thing about IT is like it's like an unseen job. Gotcha. You're doing all this stuff, but nobody sees the hard work that you do. They just yeah. know that their email isn't working on Tuesday, and it wasn't working last Tuesday, and you're the person. You're the person that has to fix it. Yeah. yeah. So like you know you feel undervalued a lot of the time. Gotcha. So yeah. most of them, the clients will never really see your face. So you never really get that validation. Most of them you just go yeah. into the client's site and then do what you need to do, uh-huh. unless you don't like on-site visit to the service and things yeah, like that. That makes well, sense. There's some things that gotcha. they have that, that needs to be done on site. That makes sense. That's a tough field. That's a tough field to be into. But once you, I mean, you both sound pretty, you know, happy and Initially, excited. it could be tough depending on just look, yeah. the you're looking at it from. But it's also a space that you could navigate gotcha. very swiftly. So yeah. it's like with anything. Like, yeah, how bad you yeah. want it. You know exactly, I mean? exactly. Like, if you want to make six figures next year, you gotta do I mean, you can literally just cut out your whole surf, like social life. Put on, like, put in the work, and then just commit to like it. You're one two year grind. You can go from making, yeah, yeah, making bare minimum to like at the next, yeah, from a health desk position making well over six figures. Yeah, easy. like I, I know a girl. Well, not easy. Girl, but she literally makes a quarter million dollars right now. Yeah, working for the government, IT. 
What's her number? Let's play. Wait, yeah, but it's like that level you of commitment. Can, yeah, you can literally make any amount of money you want to in this. It's field. all about it's pretty much the, the onus is on you. Literally, the onus is on you, and, uh, and that's what you want to do. Going right now, so now I we got to be uh, at you focus and get things going. Cause I, I got gotcha. you. All right, well, we got to get it. This is the perfect time, you know, especially with COVID-19, so to elevate ourselves. So um, I look forward to, you know, seeing you guys continue to progress within, you know, your careers. Let your boy hold something once you get to that point. Um, but um, to kind of like change topics, you know, obviously, you know, we all heard the news of Chadwick Boseman's, you know, unfortunate passing and the fact that he was battling colon cancer for four years diagnosed with stage three in 2016 and he still gave us legendary and classic roles is remarkable but at the same time extremely heartbreaking you know it's been you know because John Lewis passed recently too yeah and you know and that's like another you know hallmark remarkable figure and individual but John Lewis exactly especially within the African-American community and within the civil rights um, era and community and all the work that he's done. Yeah. But, you know, one thing with John Lewis, not like justifying his death or anything like that, he was older. So that was one of the ones, although it was unfortunate, it wasn't unforeseen. Yeah. It was, we would never accept it. Exactly, you know, but with Chadwick Boseman, that hits you like a ton of bricks. You know what I'm saying? And he hit, and he hit it. He hit that. Yeah, you had no idea that was coming. You know, and, you know, because, you know, like, I think it was, like, pictures on the shade room. You know, they would see pictures of him thin or looking and tired. I was like, hey, what's going on with him? I was on Twitter. People were tired. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I they were going in on him. So. That's crazy. And, and, and obviously the rose, but his most significant one and most lasting impact will be Black Panther. And then that level of inspiration that it gave an entire community and an entire generation of people will be everlasting. It makes me want to, you know, have a conversation about there's been a lot of mourning from individuals who provide so much inspiration. You know, you have John Lewis, Chadwick Boseman, and then obviously Kobe Bryant. These are people who provided unparalleled amounts of inspiration a year after Nip- Nipsey Hussle was murdered. So these are prom- they're not only entertainers, these are individuals who provide motivation and inspiration uh, you know, for everyday life. Like, how do you all feel about that? Because this is a, a huge level of mourning for the black community within the last, you know, couple of years. Not only for the black community, but, you know, it, it, hit, it hits us harder. Yeah. You know, because these are people who we really looked up to and aspire to and provide, and we get that inspiration and that drive, you know, from their um, artistic abilities. Um, for me, especially for this year, it started super early for me. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, started in February. With my well, with the passing of my uncle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for everybody who wouldn't know, you have to be, I guess, in the state of Wisconsin yeah. to really understand who he was. Um, he this the doctor put him for your service in peace, mm-hmm. but he was very one of the driving force mm-hmm. in the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. anybody was for that matter. Anybody and went to Whitewater, they knew Dr. Pulliam is and pushed mm-hmm. heavy for blacks in higher education, mm-hmm. yeah. And to the point, he was very one of the. He was one of the black, yeah, one of two black people mm-hmm. on the board that actually formed the BSU at Whitewater campus. Yeah, and initially all the uh, 
you also help initialize the black programs, pre-college programs, things of that nature on campus. Wow. So <clears throat> I was just fortunate that the state actually gave him his flowers before he mm-hmm. was unfortunately passing. Yeah. Right? So for me, that's when it started. And everybody in the white water community not even in the white water community, everybody said it was the education system mm-hmm. for the impact by his loss. I remember I remember the first time in my meeting with Dr. Pulliam, the first thing he said was like, All right, come in, we're gonna have this conversation with you. We're gonna make sure that you get some that you get a PhD at some point in your life. That's his that's his push. He's always it's the first kind yeah. as a freshman, that's the conversation he's putting that into your mindset already. I mean that's good though, because like a lot of well, I mean, it's just like, you know, like when you like growing up, like African-American, like you just like not a lot of people are telling you about mm-hmm. like all these different things that, you know, you can do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's seen as like something that other people do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just seen it's like, as not like for you. out yeah. of like, representation. Reach, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that's when I guess that's how I started for me for this year. And then it's like, <clears throat> right after that, it's like, damn, Kobe's mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. It's like, he crushed. From an yeah. FX like, I, I'm not a hooper. Right. Mm-hmm. But from my athletic standpoint, that competitive drive that he had yeah. drove me when it came to playing football and soccer or yeah. playing track. Mm-hmm. That is like, dude, you got to turn that switch on. Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. Every athlete can relate to a mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that dog mentality. Yeah. So it's like, damn. Like, I, I, and, then, and, then, and then the way you mourn for somebody who you never met. met. Yeah. Right? Isn't that the like, weirdest part? I, I think the, the, the same way I morphed him was the same way I morphed my uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's like a family member. He's like yeah. a, like a relative. Because you've heard about him like growing up. Like, I mean, we were in high school, you know what I you mean? You grew up like, with him. You almost grew up. Literally, how many times did you with him. Gar- like garbage into the garbage can to say Kobe? Like, you know what I mean? I mean? We literally grew up with the dude. Yeah. And so it was like, damn, that happened. It was like, oh, okay. Next, next individual. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. How, how worse can tell you something get? John was happy. I don't even mm-hmm. want to say those words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I think this might be the this might be the brunt of it. Yeah, Chad. That is this it stings. Point, for me at this point it's like, damn. I'm tired of losing people this year. Mm-hmm. From a personal standpoint, from family and close friend, literally as of when this past one's gonna be the sixth person that I've mm-hmm. Just personally that I know. Yeah. And then we not even mention all the affluential individuals mm-hmm. out there that inspire everybody else to go out there to be their best version of themselves. But it's like, damn, at some point, do you check out or you keep pushing? It's mm-hmm. like, because every everybody that you look up to that gave that sense of inspiration mm-hmm. you're losing, it was like, damn. It's almost like you can't rely on it. Who do for yeah. a sense of inspiration now? Bruh, I mean, honestly, I think it just comes to a point where you gotta be that inspiration. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm constantly looking for people that, like, are inspiring. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just... I saw that you actually follow him online. Uh, God, I forget this dude. It's that light skinned bald dude, like the Marine. Yeah, uh, is it David Doggins or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old friend, like crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like stay hard. Yeah, 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 you know that dude. You know what I mean? So like, it's funny because like you know he's he's like this like kind of like military like figure mm-hmm. that you. I just usually growing up in the military, I just I, you see that kind of person all the time. Yeah. But like, it's really interesting because like his story though, yeah, is, like, yeah. pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, like, just started following him on IG and, like, you know, just yeah. to, just stay focused, you know what I mean? Like, he just kind of gives you that drive. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, you were saying something that, you know, you have to kind of have that inspiration for yourself that needs to be intrinsic because after a while, you know, you have to value the life 
and you have to value the work of people, you know, while they're here. Like you said, give them their flowers while they're still living because you don't want to, you don't want to be represented or uh, appreciated after you're gone for you not to be able to receive that and to get that love, appreciation and uh, that validation. But it's still something about, I don't know, the last year and a half, it kind of, it kind of came in like waves. It's like yeah. back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things where it's like, shit, you know, like it's not letting up. It's like another one, another one, another one. It's like almost you kind of come to expect it, but it, but it still, it still hurts. <laughs> it still hurts equally as bad. And um, I think that, I think somebody posted it on Twitter. You know, they, uh, they posted one of like the counseling hotlines and, and, counsel and, hotlines, and I think is a, uh, it may be pretty prominent. A lot of folks are probably having to use that networking avenue because you can't be like walking around with this pain, with this constant grief, with this constant mourning. So it's easy to say like, all right, you know, we're going to appreciate and celebrate his life. But like, man, you still got to deal with the, your own emotions. Yeah. It's almost like we need as black folks like a day or two or, or a week or hell, an entire month of just bereavement, you know? At this point. <laughs> yeah. At this point, yeah, we I think we're gonna need something like that or like a nationwide mm-hmm. therapeutic session. Like, so just, just to, <laughs> yeah, no, black people should get therapy. No, nah, seriously though, like and the, the no, that's a no, that's a fact. Seriously though, <laughs> that's I, another conversation. I, I kid you not, mm-hmm. I've never spoke to a therapist until a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's been a huge transformation for me. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. We may need a nationwide therapeutic session. We got so much trauma. Get some of the things over your chest. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never realized some, some of the things that I very highly was affected me mm-hmm. and how it came up, and I never noticed yeah. So I can, I can only imagine some, mm-hmm. uh, some of these people, especially the elders, mm-hmm. elder folks who never spoke to a therapist in their 50s, 60s. And you walked around with so much pain and so much trauma from your entire existence, and you never had a chance to process it. No. You holding it all in. And it's breaking within. It's breaking within. Just bleeding out on everything around you too. I think I, I, I was at this conference and one of the presenters, you know, she said that uh, black don't crack, but you breaking inside. Yeah. You know, and so, I just think that so it's it's the truth. So we have a lot of broken individuals um, outside, and it also kind of made me realize too, like you know, you shouldn't have a reason to be nice to somebody you should just respect them and be kind to them just because you know but obviously humanity you know is you know what it is so it's one of those things where it's unfortunate but it's a constant reminder to want to live your life um appreciate the ones and the folks you have around them you have around you and uh always you know kind of be consistent and try to value that because tomorrow isn't promised man this man was 43 how old was Kobe? Was Kobe like 42, 41, 42? Wow. Nipsey was 33. Um, folks are dying young. So yeah. you have, like, tomorrow really isn't promised. And I think we have to uh, consistently value the time that we have and try to maximize, you know, our experiences. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, you play the best, man. So, all right, well, you know, that is pretty much the summation of the podcast. So, Bishop, if folks want to, you know, get in contact or get in touch with you, how would you recommend that they do so? You don't have to give up your personal number. Give out, like, your maybe an email or, like, your IG. I would say, I say plug your IG. You want crazy people just hitting <laughs> no, you up? I mean, no, that's fine. Um, my IG is just BV Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email me if you want. It's my first name. 
F R M N at Yahoo. There we go. Either or. They still using um, Yahoo? I, I have both Yahoo. <laughs> okay. and, uh, I, I use <laughs> Yahoo for. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Fair point. Gotcha. Okay. Specify. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Marcus? You got any, um, um, anybody you want to reach out to or have reach out to you? Any, uh, social media plug things you got going on? Oh yeah. You could, uh, follow my photography IG at, uh, innercitydemi.com or sorry, at innercitydemi. Spell that for us. I-N-N-E-R-D as in dog. E is an elephant. M-I. That's it. Like demigod? I, it's like, it's my middle name. Your middle name is Demi. It's Demetrius, but I just... Oh, okay. I was like, Demi. I was like, okay, Thor. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, uh, well, that's a wrap. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. And um, I appreciate Bishop and Marcus for uh, partaking in this podcast with me. Stay safe. God bless. If you do believe in God, make sure you all continue to wear your mask.